Tales from the Green Side. Here we are. Season 1 still. Episode 2. A day late. Whoops. Hey, there's a lot of technical difficulties here and I'm kind of a spaz with it, so... You know, live and learn. But anyway, here we are, we're here. We've got some fun things to talk about, so thanks for tuning in again. And here we go. Oh man, the Bee Gees, staying alive. What does that have to do with being a Jets fan? I'll let you think about that. And the answer is this. No, I know it's... You know, we're try- constantly staying alive as Jet fans. How have we not died yet? But here we are. No, the reason I played it is just kind of coincidentally, I realized that today, uh, June 13th, 2021, is the, if I do my math right, the 44th anniversary of the great New York City blackout. So I had to kind of incorporate that because it, it wasn't all of New York, certainly. And I think even so there were some pockets of... New York City, maybe Southern Queens, and maybe some area in Brooklyn, maybe that didn't lose electricity, but most of us did. And um, so, if you're a Jet fan, I'm sure you have a memory of that. And even if you're not a Jet fan, you have a memory of that. But if you're not a Jet fan, thanks for tuning in. What is wrong with you? Oh my God, do you have something better to listen to? Just kidding. Thank you for tuning in. Um, so where was I? Where were you? I was living, uh, still at home, because I was, I think, 12, going on 13, um, in New Rochelle in an apartment complex called uh, Drake House, and a great place to grow up. Um, it's three big buildings, I think maybe like 150 units total or something like that. Never actually looked it up, but um, those of you have, that listened, that grew up with me, you know what I'm talking about, and even people that didn't grow up in the same area, but you know, you know, apartment buildings. Were, it was different kind of living back then. Everyone, for the most part, now I think people are very transient. You know, moving into a building, and maybe you're single or you're just newly a couple, and you're saving for a house, and you kind of you move in, you, you stay for a little while, and you move out. But back then, it was through you know things like rent control or rent stabilization or whatever have you. Um, uh, people, you know, you moved into an apartment and boom, you you were there for not not only life, but probably afterlife because you, you pass away and, and try to make sure that somebody in your family was on the lease uh, so you can maintain that fantastic rent deal you had. So um, it was a great time and a great place to be because particularly in something like a blackout, because I remember that particular night where we were, um, everybody came out. There was no reason to stay inside because it was you know, uh, July 13th. I might have said June earlier. That's possible, by the way. But anyway, it's a July that's hot and sticky, and there was no air conditioning, no fans inside. So everybody came out. Uh, I remember um, all the adults were out. Everybody bought candles and transistor radios, probably listening to, like, WABC and uh, WNBC, um, playing some Pop pop 40 stuff and tuning into... um, 1010 winds to see what was going on with the electricity, uh, all candlelit around, and I'm sure people had wine and beer, and, you know, we were kids, and it was, uh, you know, it was pretty late at night, I think it was after 9 or 10 o'clock when this all went down, so it was kind of cool to be outside, and 
and be able to stay outside. You, people couldn't, parents couldn't send you to your room because there was, there was uh, no way you were going back into a hot apartment. So that was kind of fun. And I'm sure you guys have memories about that. And again, feel free to, to send those in. It doesn't all have to be just about going to Jet Games. Um, but that was a fun time and a fun memory. So that's why I played a little Bee Gees. And I mean, anytime you get a chance to play a little Bee Gees in my book, why not? John Travolta's Tony Monero eating the pizza the cool way, working at the paint store with the shoes and the pants and the leather jacket and the dances and the white suit, which I definitely tried to emulate for sure. Um, I had the John Travolta poster in my room. I think uh, him and, uh, what was the girl's name in the movie? Karen, I think, dancing. And uh, <laughs> it had this really deep message on the poster, something like, where do you go when the music ends? So there you go. That was some deep stuff going on. But uh, good memory, great movie, very much marches, uh, marks a time in my life and, and a lot of people's life. So classic stuff. So we got a few things to get to. I've had some people be really nice and um, respond to some of my posts, uh, not only on our Facebook page, but also uh, in some responses on other pages. And I want to do give definitely give a shout out to... Um, there's a great Facebook page if you're a Jet fan and really kind of specifically a Jet fan that um, enjoyed the team's years from 1964 to 1983 um, at Shea Stadium. Uh, the name of the Facebook page, the name of the group is Freezing at Flushing, and it's run by a gentleman um, named Don Stokes, who I don't personally know, but we've kind of interacted a few times on the page. and shared a message or two back and forth through Facebook. And uh, if you are out there and you are someone who uh, is an administrator of a Facebook page, it's it's really a lot more work than you think it's going to be. Um, there's just so many variables, people trying to get on your page and scam artists and place ads or place rude things or political commentary and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so um, Mr. Stokes does a great, great job of just keeping this page all about um, the Jets experience at Shea Stadium. So it's a fantastic page and definitely give a shout out and kudos to him for doing that and maintaining the page because it is a lot of work as I'm starting to learn with my little page which is, you know, minuscule compared to uh, Freezing at Flushing. But um, it's a great page. He runs it well. A lot of interaction with great fans. Um, some actual, more than just a few, a lot of ex-Jet players are actually on the page and have commented and liked things and have interacted with fans. Um, so it's really great. So definitely tune into that page. Um, highly recommend it. And again, thanks to uh, Mr. Stokes for letting me kind of promote my little podcast and, and page on his page. So thank you for that. So some people commented um, on that page. And um, it's just interesting to see the experience that some people had, um, particularly with the transition from going from Shea Stadium uh, to Giant Stadium. Um, I've had, no one's commented on kind of the next transition, which is now MetLife. Um, this has kind of been just Shea Stadium to Giant Stadium or the Meadowlands, whatever you want to call it, that transition. And it was it was a weird thing because Shea Stadium was, you know, that was our home and um, it was in New York number one, um, and uh, and for my family at least, it was, and for a lot of people, it was very convenient to get to, 
uh, whether you took the seven train out or, you know, from the city or you drove, you know, we'd hop on the hutch, you know, over the Whitestone Bridge, the Whitestone Expressway, um, Grand Shelter Parkway, I think, to, to Northern Boulevard. And again, which I, I mentioned in the first episode, um, parking under the other, under Northern Boulevard. So it was kind of really convenient and fun to go to. So all of a sudden to have to go out to New Jersey, um, that was a whole, <laughs> was a whole different experience, which I didn't know if my my dad was going to go for that because not it not only increased the expense but also got the time and just especially getting out of giant stadium after a game and getting home it was always especially if it was a four o'clock sunday game which was the the nightmare of all games um and and getting out there this is before you know gps and all you know just dialing into your phone looking for the best route we would just try to learn from other fans the best way um, to get in and out of the stadium. Uh, but so you've little tricks of the trade you learned it, but it was nice though, being, um, you know, at Shea stadium, we kind of had the same group of people around us for years, um, for, you know, well, for my dad, almost 20 years, um, for me about 11 years. Cause uh, I started going at 72. Um, so we got to know a lot of people. They got to see me grow up. Um, I got to see them grow older. Um, but we moved over to Giant Stadium. Thankfully, some of the people remained around us, especially the two guys. Um, There's two guys that sat behind us. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever <laughs> learned their name. I, I think it was Mike and John. I think they might have been cops. Super nice guys, and they used to point out to me, oh, there's the little kid, because I started going when I was eight, and by the time I, you know, uh, left, it was, um, I was whatever I was, 17, 18, 19 and then out to giant stadium you know into my just about 30 so like yeah there's a little kid again even though i was you know definitely not a kid anymore so that was kind of nice but trying to find a way to the stadium not just going over the you know the george washington bridge to the turnpike you know we'd try to find secret ways and i i I might be wrong on this and people can correct me um you know, try going over the bridge, going on Route 80, then maybe over to like nine, Route 9 and getting off at like Patterson Plank Road and coming up behind the stadium. Was that the secret way? I don't know. But I did have some, some people kind of comment about the transition. There was a gentleman named uh, Kevin Sullivan commented. Um, he, this is his little um, blurb on, on my page. It was, um, my family... Uh, had tickets from 1964 to 1983 at Shea. He was in Loge, 30, Loge, Lodge, Loge, 32 row E. One season at that place in New Jersey in 1984, and all eight ticket holders in the row, all um, FDNY, handed the tickets back in. Hated the seats, hated the traffic, one and done. Boom, there you go. So, um, <laughs> You know, not a happy Jeff fan. It was, you know, especially if you're coming from the island, it was a brutal, brutal drive. Um, so we were at, at Chase Stadium. We were in Section 8 in the mezzanine, Row A, and then we went out to Giant Stadium. We were down in the, I guess, the lower bowl, they call it. But it was Section 103, and I think it was Row 22. So we did have the same, a few of the people around us, but it was it, that made it kind of nice. But um, it, some people, uh, I think a lot of people have much better memories or at least they're more romanticized um from shea stadium for whatever reason um had another person post uh, his name is lloyd levito levito um apologize for the 
mispronunciation, but uh, he says, uh, family and then uh, I had seasons at Shea from 1966 to 1983. Great childhood memories, including getting out of religious school early on home game days. That's huge. To, you know, like, is that a sin? I don't know. Uh, I was Catholic at one point. I guess they, although I got to tell you, if you're a Jets fan, maybe God let you go. It's You're already receiving your punishment. So anyway, he got, he got out of uh, religious school early on home days. He says, uh, first we had, um, first ticks we had were last row bleachers in the right field by the Mets lineup on the scoreboard. He said he used to play touch football on the Met bullpen right before games and halftime. Nice. Um, Dad had friends who worked for the Jets, used to, top, used to hop the railing onto the field and follow the team to the locker room. That is so cool. Come on, man. Um, Shea, the Jets, and the Mets provided me amazing childhood memories. Then when I was older, it was the greatest insane fun atmosphere from the late 70s to 1983. You just can't compare today's controlled environment at stadiums. And that's the end. So thank you, Lloyd, for sending in that little blurb there. And that, yeah, it made me think of a lot of things. I, That's really cool. You got to follow the teams, like, into the locker room. That's beyond cool. I, I was able to go on the field a couple times, I think, must have been maybe after the last game of the year. Um, we would, uh, we'd, uh, I would leave my seats up in the mezzanine early, tell my dad, you know, I'd meet him at the car. And if I was by myself or once in a while, I'd have like a childhood friend or two. And we'd usually bring like a Nerf ball if we knew we were going to be on the field. So I do definitely remember getting down onto the field and, and you were like right next to the players. There wasn't, you know, the security there is now. The, the players are out there saying goodbye to each other or shaking hands to the other teams. And there we were. I remember standing next to Joe Klecko and a gentleman running by, I think, trying to grab his helmet. Uh, but Mr. Klecko had this arm that was just, you know, this massive amount of muscle and just held on to his, his helmet and just kind of gave the guy a look like, what an idiot you are, and shook his head. But And then I remember like, having my friend throw me a touchdown pass in the closed end of the stadium um, with our Nerf ball, and I did the same to him. And then also, I have to admit, I did um, just a small patch of grass, I think from about the 20-yard line, just this tiny patch of grass. I, I tore that up. I brought it home, and I planted it in my room in a little pot, and it sat in my window for, for quite a while till I forgot to water it, which still happens today, and I killed it. Um, I can also remember being, I think we were playing the Bengals, uh, and it was, a, I think we were getting blown out. It was a crappy rainy day, and this is my memory of it anyway. And I think it was Ken Anderson threw a pass um, that went out of bounds and skidded on the mud. It must have been, a, now it was definitely a, a wet day, and the ball skidded up against the wall right below me. And all I had to do was kind of like crawl through the railing grabbed the ball, but I was so stunned at seeing a football in front of me. I was like, holy crap, and I, I froze. And then, you know, one of the ball guys came over and grabbed it, and so I was like, there's my opportunity for that. So that was kind of fun. Um, so, yeah, so Shea was definitely a little more, was definitely more rowdy, um, and just like he said, it was not so controlled, and mostly for, for the good. Um, I do remember that, I think it was during the, Monday night game against the Vikings um, where two guys, uh, one of the jet kickers, I think, kicked a 
extra point or field goal that went over the netting that they put up to catch the footballs, and it went onto the screen um, that was there for the baseball games, which would, would have been behind uh, home plate. So there's that screen so people don't get hit with the ball, and it, it kind of goes over your head as well. So the ball landed on top of the screen, and at that point, the, you know, two-thirds of the stadium was obliterated. Um, so two guys, well, first one guy jumped down to try to get the ball, and then another guy jumped down to try to get the ball. And then they decided to start a boxing match because they were jumping up and down on the screen. And so now the whole stadium is like the Roman, you know, uh, Colosseum. People, you know, the bloodlust begins. And I think they began, like, boxing, jumping up and down, and trying to swing at each other. In the meantime, the ball rolled off the edge. So neither one of them got it, and then I'm sure... Uh, New York City's finest has something to say to them as well. But that that was a crazy night. Uh, and I'll probably touch on that in another podcast, but just maybe think of it because of uh, what Lloyd said about the, the stadium just not being, you know, so controlled, as he said. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so not everybody made the, the move uh, easily. Um, and then I've had some really nice people also, you know, so I, I'd love to hear from some of these other people. Howard Horn said, he was actually commenting about the Freezing and Flushing page, saying it's really a fantastic page, and it is. Um, and I know, I can tell that he has a lot of memories. And then I heard from um, Connie Carberg, who, this is really interesting, actually. Um, she said to me, uh, hi, John, so glad, that you go, so glad that you go back to 1964, which my dad does. Um, I go back to 72. But my dad and uncle were the team doctors when they were the Titans, and then till the 90s, um, Doctors Nicholas, Dr. Nicholas. So I am anxious to listen to your podcast with memories from those days. I'm glad you joined this group, um, which is the Freezing of Flushing, which I'm going to keep you know, mentioning because it's such a good little source of great memories. Um, so that, I'm sure she's got some fantastic stories. And um, I mean, team doctors, they got to have some some funny stories about the Jet players, and maybe she does as well. So um, that's what I like hearing about is just the fun that we've had at the games um, and the shared experiences you've had. So um, I think that's going to be it for this one, I think. this You know, this wasn't one story, but I'm just kind of – kind of seeing where this thing goes I'm kind of the whole podcast you have an idea for it and then you kind of see how it what it really turns into so it's almost like a painting um but not by the numbers or something it's just kind of a a modern painting where you start to throw can you know paint on the canvas and and you see what kind of bounces back so um that was just a kind of a cool 1977 blackout memory and um again I'd, I'd really love for you guys to send in some stories um I know I mentioned during the last podcast that we're going to get a video stream going. I finally figured out, thank you very much, how to work my external camera. It took quite a while for me to figure out how to do that. So I'm sure I'm going to have some editing questions and technical stuff. So um, if you've um, streamed it all on Twitch or live streamed it all, um, inbox me on Facebook if you have... Um, or just say hi, this way I know you have, so I can reach out to you. And I have some friends at work that have also been very, very helpful. Um, Dave P. and Rich have um, been really helpful, um, just kind of answering my questions. So we'll get to that, hopefully, and that'll be a little more interac- interactive as well. Um, so coming up next in the next episodes, I don't know, because I'm waiting for people just to kind of 
send in their stories, whatever you think of, man. You know, ideally it's about going to Jet Games, but, you know, you have some Shea Stadium memories, some, uh, well, I got a lot of stories from the Meadowlands too as well. Um, we want to hear about all of it. So you have um, Tales from the Greenside Facebook page, Tales from the Greenside at gmail.com and I'm also going to post a link on the page right now as soon as I finish um, kind of editing this uh, that has a link where you can click on it and you can leave a voice message so you can actually comment on the podcast or also or if you want to tell a story whatever it'll be a voice message that I could get that I can actually incorporate into the, the podcast so that'd be kind of fun and you can be like me and hear your voice and want to jump out the window so um, I that's I didn't even I haven't even listened to the first episode that I made because I got about two minutes into it. I'm like oh my god that's what I sound like oh my god so um, you can hear your voice if you want to on a podcast or if you don't want to just let me know to just kind of read it I can do that too I'm here for you so that is it for now till next time I thanks again for listening and come on Send money. No, just send your stories, and that's what I'm interested in hearing. I hope you all stay beautiful and go Jets.